Welcome to the Women in Ministry Leadership Podcast, powered by the King's University. This is a conversation to encourage and validate women on their ministry journeys. Now, let's join TKU's Dr. Rhonda Davis and Julie Cole for this episode of the Women in Ministry Leadership Podcast. We are so excited to be here with um, our friend Rita Springer. Hey, ladies. Yeah, I, I think you're a name that most would know, but I know you've been oh. leading worship for, let me see, about 15 years. No, it'd be over 30 now. Well, you need to update, I need to update, you need to update, update the bio. website, <laughs> right? I do need to update that old bio. Yeah, right? <laughs> We've been singing so many of the songs that you've written for years yes. and, and they have blessed us and... Um, I love watching your heart for the next generation of mm, worship leaders yeah. and the way you've invested in ministry. And we're just happy that you're having a conversation with us. Yeah, today. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, when someone looks at you today, they think, oh, to be a worship leader on the platform. And I would love to hear, was that a goal you had from the beginning or what were the key events that kind of got you to this place? Maybe key life turning points that you'd look at? No, it wasn't my goal. I was much more self-consumed and self-obsessed <laughs> when I was young. I think mainly because I grew up in such poverty that dreaming was the escape. Mm. So dreaming of anything in the church at that point, I mean, so many years ago, n nobody wanted to be a worship leader at the church. They were unpaid positions. Yeah, right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <the thing. laughs> um, you kind of did that if you went to college to be a music minister or something mm -hmm. like that. I think that's what they called them. And the, the guy that led our Baptist church um, worship wasn't anything I aspired to. It's not, mm -hmm. he's a great guy, but it was like, he was a choir leader. Yeah. Like yeah. we were the choir as the congregation. He was the choir leader. So there wasn't any intimacy involved. There wasn't any like what it is today is completely a different thing. And I think when I finally got into that, it was what it was becoming. And that's what, you know, caused me to, want to, I think, steer toward that direction, but I wanted to be an actress. So I had graduated high school um, with every award I could get my hands on in high school with, with uh, drama and um, theater performance and actually was accepted to Cal State Northridge, mm -hmm. Cal State Arts, and they lost my SATs. So I couldn't start when I needed to start back then. And then um, I, so I took almost like a gap year and then my mother got really sick and I ended up taking care of her. So it basically vetoed and, mm. and detoured, um, my acting career. <laughs> what was the, your favorite role you ever played? Um, in, in, as an actress? Yeah. I think my favorite play that I was ever in was, was a Pauls and Dill, um, uh, play called um, The Effects of Gamma Rays on Man and the Moon Marigolds. It was great. I played the lead role. I think her name was Beatrice. Beatrice. She smoked incessantly. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty, it was pretty hilarious. Cause I, you know, of course I wasn't a smoker and I was dropping hot ash all over my nightgown on stage. I had holes all over my nightgown. That's fantastic. <laughs> but so I just, it, it was something I did on the side. So where did the passion for worship take? I started taking piano lessons because my um, older sister, who's she's just 14 months older than I am, um, she started taking piano lessons. And she, um, my sister Roxanne is like 
she's like my image of perfection. You know, she, she weighed the exact uh, weight she needed to weigh. She was beautiful. She had long blonde hair. She was perfect um, for me as a kid, like looking at her, she was like Marsha Brady. <laughs> and, um, and when she took piano lessons, I was like, uh, uh-uh, no, there's no way I'm, she's going to beat me at that. And so I'm like, I, if I just take piano lessons, I'll one up her poor thing. She was so, she would never compete with me in any way, shape or form. But I secretly took piano lessons just because I was like trying to one up her. And my, my grandmother paid for those lessons. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, it was during those lessons that that musical thing started to happen, not with really music theory, because I kind of hated music theory, mm-hmm. but the freedom to find a melody on your own on the keyboard. And when I would find those melodies, I'd go home and practice and run hand and up and down. And I remember being, I think either 10 or 11 and I hit some chord and I just started weeping. Wow. And we had, um, I lost my father at nine to um, cancer in the house. And I just started feeling, I think when Mm -hmm. I, when I started playing the piano. And so it was kind of the way I leaned against the shoulder of the Lord. That's why I was, I think the Lord taught me how to, to lean and um, to be heard by playing the piano. And I had a dream in which I'm not a big dreamer, like an actual dreamer, but I had a dream that the piano um, had kind of morphed like jello in this dream and turned into the shoulder of God. And I was leaning against it, tapping on his shoulder. So whenever I played as a young person, I, I was like, I can find God if I play. So eventually that desire and, and passion for the Lord, I could started hearing the Lord's voice. And he, I remember him very specifically saying, stop acting. Hmm. I said, you act because you hate who you are and you love being somebody else wow. for a couple hours. Um, but when you play, I get everything and I want you to play. So basically I was acting because I was covering up. Yeah. And when I played all the reality kind of was there. So that's just kind of was the switch. I mean, now I'm like, I auditioned for a movie last year just because of a joke. And I was like, what if like in the latter part of my life, my, I'm like, I'm <laughs> like yeah, oh my gosh, I'm an Academy Award winning actress and nobody knows it yet. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, the songs that you write just touch such a deep place. And I feel like whenever um, I'm, I'm listening to you sing, it's like, oh my goodness, she is singing exactly the way I'm feeling mm-hmm. Or oh, she is putting into words what I haven't been able, what my soul just wants to say to God, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So I just, what is that process like for you when you're writing? I mean, I think, I think for all writers that I think do what we do, especially when you, um, when you're writing for people's engagement into mm-hmm. the presence of the Lord, because that's what worship is. Worship is you're writing about the worship of God. You're singing about the worth of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm a four on the Enneagram. People think I'm an eight because I have some strengths, but I'm really a four. So there's that emotional kind of creative side to me that is very touchy feely. And, and because I think I found the presence of the Lord on the piano keys, the um, trying to, to strip that and make it more of a, a theory or a theological thing or whatever um, was always very, very difficult for me. So it was easier for me to keep the emotional side of it and then add the other things that I need, needed mm-hmm. to is almost like, um, you know, 
like the add-on of knowledge or the add-on of wisdom, but to keep that base. And then realizing, as I even read scripture, that Jesus was always ready to meet the emotions of people. Like he had that, he always walked with great emotion, but he also walked with great authority and great wisdom and, and understanding of, of the words of his father, of the theology of his father. And so I realized that that is really the full meal deal of, of what we're doing is, I mean, you could, you could categorize that in any level of ministry you have. But for me, I didn't want it to be about one thing or the other. I wanted it to look like a cohesive, you know, involvement of all things so that at any moment as I was leading or as I was writing, I could bring myself to an understanding of it, find out if there's theology in it, um, put the emotion in it, and then be able to tell a story, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that would, would have longevity Mm -hmm. to it, I think. And so I think like that as a, as a writer, you know, I'm not the kind of writer that, and there are writers like this, um, that are more head. Mm -hmm. I'm more heart. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I'm in writing rooms all the time with the heads Mm -hmm. and, and it's great because when you got the head there and the head will usually the producer, right. That's Mm -hmm. like doing the production. And then, You've got those of us that are like ready to write the poetry or write mm-hmm. the, um, and it's just kind of knowing which lane you're in. But for me, I, 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 I don't veer off those yeah. techniques too often. So as you're talking about your life, I think about how a young girl sitting at the piano, leaning into God, finding him, you were doing that at a time when there wasn't really a model Mm-mm. for that. You no. kind of helped to develop what we see today mm-hmm. um, just through your experience of God and finding him in that intimate place. Um, how has that journey been for you when there wasn't always somebody to look to that yeah. as a role model? Mm-hmm. I, I almost think that the best role models are the ones that pioneer it mm-hmm. because you're not, you're not using a format. You don't have somebody ahead of you where you're, you're calculating. Did you do this right? Did you, you know, and I, I had no idea what I was doing. And honestly, if the Lord had stepped in to my youth and been like, here's a memo, this is how how it's going to go down. You're going to build the foundations to other people's houses. Mm. And you won't get to live in them, but you'll build their foundations. I would have been like, I ain't building somebody yeah. else's house. <laughs> wow. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just didn't have the maturity level to understand that that was what the Lord was doing. But, but there is something about the humility that it took to do it that I fell into without overthinking it because there was no role model. There was mm-hmm. no, I mean, uh, Darlene, check did such a beautiful job in, um, in, you know, walking out publicly, almost like the first female yeah. worship leader that was kind of widely known outside of the Kelly Willards or the, I mean, she was worldwide where Kelly was more kind of a Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, you had, you know, we all know the Amy Grants and the Michelle Pilar's from my era anyway. And those were the CCMers we called mm-hmm. them, the, the contemporary Christian music. But worship really even wasn't a yeah. outside of when Darlene popped up. Mm-hmm. And Darlene didn't know what she was doing. I mean, if you hear her story, she's like, she fell into it. I mean, the whole shout to the Lord thing was supposed to be sung by a man that night. Yeah. And he got sick or something happened. And they were like, Darlene's going to have to sing it. Wow. <laughs> she wrote it. <laughs> wow. So, 
I think that it's just God will move the pieces that he wants to move. And so I didn't realize what I was doing. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what a insane gift to be given. Mm-hmm. And, and not everybody can do it. So that's why there aren't so many roles that people want to fill. I mean, my, the role that I'm, I've done, people aren't lining up right. you know, to fill that role because there's no glory in it. It's hard labor, it's hard work, and you've got to clean up a lot of messes. And because part of that pioneering is is showing people, hey, this is the way you walk in it, and this is what you don't give away, and this is what you sacrifice, and this is all of your surrender. Mm-hmm. And that role has changed so much over the years that the stage has become this lit up highlight, you know, superstar complex Mm -hmm. and i look at it now and i'm like oh my gosh there was none of that when i started we didn't have to fight what these kids are fighting Mm -hmm. now we didn't have to fight the fame and the glory it was always all about him you know and i mean honestly when i started (laughs) like leading worship in in the vineyard movement and women were background singers they they were asked to sing off the stage Hmm. so the women actually had to be with their microphones over to the side over to the side <laughs> wow so yeah so the whole role of like pioneering wasn't something i've i volunteered for yeah. but i'm so grateful that god saw me worthy and fit to to have that role because it's i mean it's it That's saved hard. my life yeah. Wow. yeah well what's some of that you said the sacrifice what's some of that sacrifice that you see is necessary well i think you know um if it's if it's uh Topical sacrifice, obviously, you know, I, I, my um, peers, some of my peers and some of these kids that I've raised up um, and mentored, I mean, they've got two or three vacation homes because of the amount of royalties that they get. When I started, there wasn't a royalty game. We weren't doing it when there was reward involved. We were doing it because he was the reward. You know, Mm -hmm. he was getting a hold of his presence. I mean, literally, I remember in the vineyard um, during worship, people would just randomly get healed of cancer. Like tumors would just disappear off of people that you could see from the outer, from their outer skin. And they would just come back the next week and be like, during worship, my tumor just disappeared. Mm. During these songs that we were writing that were just four chords, simple, Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. big deal, because we just were just hungry for the presence of the Lord. And so that that's a huge thing now because a lot of writers write for the sake of the check. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically the Lord, I've said this so, so often, but when the Lord came to me and he said, hey, do you, do you want a royalty check or do you want to raise the dead? Whoa. And I asked if we could do both. <laughs> this is stupid. I was right? like, do I need to choose? Yeah, can we do yeah. both? Is this a, because it's my, it's been my living. Um, but my living has really been event driven. Mm-hmm. It's never been royalty based. And even when I started getting royalties actually from the album that was released at Gateway Church and Defender went um, mm-hmm. quite big, I started seeing these royalty checks that I was like, I've never seen a royalty check like this. And then COVID hit and I had to actually sell my catalog to survive. Wow. So it was almost as if the Lord, you know, was like, don't get too used to that, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's a huge cost, you know, yeah. in, in the realm of just, um, you know, making a living for yourself. 
but then there's the physical cost. You know, I, um, I have degeneration in my back, but because of the posture of sitting mm. at the piano and the, the playing um, of the piano and then sitting on planes all the time, it started to deteriorate and destroy my spine. So I remember sitting in a neurologist's office after he was looking at my, my MRI and he said, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a singer. I sit at the piano and I, I'm at events and I, I lead worship. And he turned and he looked at me and he said, your career is destroying your spine. Mm. Oh. And, and I just kind of looked at him and he said, if, can you get out of this career where you're not sitting all the time and you're not playing or you're not kind of hunched over? And I said, you don't have to say it's like, yeah. what am I going to do? Just say, you know, and and he said, well, you're, you're, you, you, you'll probably end up in a wheelchair. And I just, I walked in there and I thought oh, the, the, the cost of worship, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, it's like, you know, when you think about costs, we always hear about the woman that brings the, you know, everything and, and pours it out on the feet of Christ mm -hmm. in the new Testament. And they talk about that being a costly perfumer and the natural, what does that smell like? Mm -hmm. And I just was like, this, this is crazy, yeah. you know? And it just, life. I mean, I, I always wanted to be married. I, I was the quintessential save the wedding dress clippings. Hmm. And I just was like, Lord, I, I want you to, I want you to find my husband. I want you to, you know, and I just really meant that. Hmm. And I didn't want to be married. I didn't want to date and then be married to somebody else. that was somebody else's husband. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted something authentic and pure and really believed that God could do it. And and then to have years go by and years go by and kind of your dreams just kind of evaporating, but you have to trust that God knows and that what you hear is still the Lord, but it's just not exactly what the Lord, mm -hmm. you thought the Lord was saying. There's a massive cost to that. Mm -hmm. There's a cost to, and I think it's the, the cost of obedience, mm -hmm. you know, because even in our obedience, we hear in part, we see in part and I always call worship a progressive state. So it's like you're, you're walking towards something. You're walking toward, you know, this, you're walking toward the throne room and you, you get closer and you get closer and you get closer. But according to scripture, there's, um, there's levels of depth when you get there. So there's a cost in each level. And the closer that you get to holiness, the more it's going to cost you on the other mm -hmm. side. So I didn't know it would end up costing me my spine I didn't know it would cost me um, my ability to have children. I didn't know it would cost me, you know, almost my, my voice, you know? So it's, it's, there's a, there's a massive cost involved to it mm -hmm. that um, people just don't realize. And honestly, if you're not willing to pay the cost, you can live on the surface of it and, yeah. and probably make millions. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. But to, to be fully, to be fully committed to the Lord. I want, I'm the kind of person that if the Lord says, go left, I go left. If he says, go right, I go right. And I don't ever want to get face to face with him and have him say, there was a season in your life when you really bummed me out. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I just want to, I want him to be like, well done. Mm -hmm. You did it well. Mm -hmm. And if that's what scripture says we're living for, then why are we living for the things here? Why aren't we living for what that, just the joy of what that would bring us as hard and as costly as it is. I think here that may not make sense to some people, but to people that want the deep, 
things. Yeah. I love that. I want the deep so, things. Yeah. We have actually had some women in ministry who are single who have written to us and said, we need role models mm-hmm. of single women in ministry leadership. What would you say to those women who feel that call to ministry? They probably, I know some of them do want to be married, but it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. What would you say? I mean, it's the same thing I say to to, to women who are single that, that want children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't know that, that it's, it's okay to adopt a child, mm-hmm. you know, being a single person, it's going to cost you a lot more <laughs> when yeah. you do that. But I don't think that there's a, I don't see God. I don't think God looks down at us and sees limitations. I, I think he looks down at us and he's, he, he, there's a desire in a heart for something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I have a lot of single women throughout the years that have said, you know, I want to be married. Um, God hasn't brought somebody to me yet. And my friends or my pastor or leaders or whatever say, maybe that's just not what the Lord has for you. And my question to them is, whoa, 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 wait. Why does somebody else's voice get to dictate that mm-hmm, to you? Yeah. Um, if you have a desire in your heart for marriage, then, and, and it's, it, I mean, like, when you think about getting married, I don't think that's a selfish, I mean, it's, I see it all over scripture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's the design of God. It's how. It's not a bad thing know, to ask for. It's not for. a bad yeah. thing to ask for. So if it's in your heart and it's, and it's, it's ordained in scripture. It must mean that God put that desire in your heart. And the Bible says that he'll give us the desires of our heart. I think our greatest desire has to become him. Mm. So when a desire like that overlaps the desire for the Lord, there's a confusion in who God is and what Mm. he's not and how he comes. And so it's, it's one of those things where I always pull them back and say, wait, 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 don't let anybody else's voice dictate your value in your desire, your desire has value. I don't know the mind of Christ and you don't know the mind mm-hmm. of Christ, but he says we could have the mind of Christ, that we could ask mm-hmm. for the mind of Christ. So we will probably never hear clearly or see fully until we're face to face with him. Mm-hmm. But if that's the desire of your heart, keep it there yeah. and put water on it and watch over it and keep that soil, you know, where it needs to be and, you know, put, riches in that soil. Mm -hmm. And if time goes on, like it's been with me, um, if God doesn't take the desire away from you to, to do, to be married, to have ministry to it, then keep believing for that. Mm -hmm. Keep believing for that thing. And I think when you, uh, you, you ladies have probably talked to people too, where you're like, sometimes when people say things, women will say like, well, I just, there's this and there's this and there's this. And when I'm talking to some women, there's always this check you know, to some people. And I'm like, wait a second, let's go back to that. And let's talk about this. And all of a sudden you see almost like a pothole of a belief system Mm -hmm. that, that, that swirls them in this place where they funneled God's voice into this place and they're making things um, or making God say things that he never said Mm -hmm. based on potholes that they've gotten Mm -hmm. themselves into. And that's where I think people primarily sometimes are when they're so wounded by um, the lack of, you know, my dreams turning out or this mm-hmm. turning out. It's like, yeah, you have to go back and find out where your, your trail, you know, it, does your, do your trail of tears lead right back to the throne? Mm-hmm. And, and is, is the Lord in every step of that? Is the mm-hmm. Lord kind of kept you in a place of confinement and it's been the Lord? 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just like, everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own fracture. But I just think women need to know if there's a desire, legit desire in your heart for ministry, for being a pastor, um, that's, these are hard things. Yeah. I, I've mm -hmm. never been married, but my friends tell me being married is really difficult. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. These aren't things that, um, that are easy, mm -hmm. easy wins. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and so I, I, I'm like, if that's a desire in your heart, there's nothing easy about being a, a woman pastor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's nothing easy about being a wife. There's nothing easy about being a mother. Mm -hmm. So if these things are in your heart to do, that's probably a God thing. And to just to keep it open-handed. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Keeping that desire um, underneath the desire for yeah. God, but still yeah. holding that before him um, and yeah. having the faith to do that. I, you have so championed, um, especially young female worship leaders. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. And you're talking about some of those challenges that they face. Um, and you, you write from such a deep well and clearly have done the hard thing of um, pressing in, like you were saying, into holiness. So what are some of the spiritual practices that you practice mm -hmm. or that you encourage um, young worship leaders to practice that are learning leaders or that are facing these challenges in the industry? What, what keeps you real? I think for me, the, the, the practice of relationship with God is I, again, it's that progressive state. Mm -hmm. um, Ephesians talks about the love of God being so high, so, so wide, so deep, so long. And then it says that it, that it, it, if our humanity tried to search for the depths or the widths or the heights of it, we, we, it would be insufficient. We wouldn't be able to find it. So that could tell you that, oh, well, I guess the love of God is just so good. Um, but really what it says is there's so much of it that it doesn't have a circumference. It doesn't have a, a you know, a, a, a foot depth to it, um, that there's more of it to have. And so I, I, I really think that, for me, it's been like, I want more of the Lord. I want more of the Lord. I want more of the Lord. I want more of the Lord to get to a place where maybe I'm not just using 10% of my front lobe, you know, of mm -hmm. my brain. Maybe if I actually asked the Lord, you know, he would invade different spaces of mm -hmm. my life. And, and I, I think people, it's, I, it's shocking to me when I'm in conversation with people and I'm like, well, have you just, uh, do you, do you ask the Lord for that? Yeah. You know, and people would be like, well, oh no, you know, I, as if, as if that was never even a thought or a concept that he could do that for mm -hmm. them. And so part of it is, I think, am I crazy? Because <laughs> I've had this ritual with God that that's my baseline. My baseline yeah. is, you know, yes, reading the word, keeping yourself in the word. Um, but when you practice purity, you live pure, mm -hmm. you know, it's not that hard when you, um, when you try to love people and you live generously, you, it's become a practice to where it's like, Oh no, 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 no. I'll mm -hmm. get that. No, no, no. It's going to be fine. Um, I think when you live in the practice of, 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 of just walking God out yeah. and practicing the, just the very things that he says you have every right to, mm -hmm. you know, according to, those that believe. And I think that is what's always shocking to me is there are people that just have never either read that verse or they just don't 
see God on a concept of an everyday, I mean, I wake up in the morning and he's right there. Mm -hmm. And I'm a single parent of a teenager in Whoa. COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, uh, there is a part of God that I needed in COVID that I'd never experienced before. Mm -hmm. Now, God said he's my kid's father because he doesn't have a natural father because I'm not married. So when God said he could be our father, I mean, I took that literal. And I know that he can't, he's not going to be like, open the door and be like, honey, I'm home. You know, it's not that kind of a guy. But I can draw on the fathering of God for my son. And then to think, oh my gosh, God's my kid's dad. He's never going to disappoint him. Mm -hmm. He's never going to say something that he shouldn't say. He's never going to fail. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like, when you think of God on that concept, you're like, my God, my kid is a perfect dad. I remember <laughs> at Gateway being on staff at a Christmas party and, and being one of the women pastors on staff. And, and they all went around the Christmas party and they, they basically said who they were and who their husbands were in mm -hmm. the church. Like, cause their husbands were the pastors in the church. And I remember getting really like, Oh man, I don't, I don't have a husband. Like, what do I say? What do I say? And I, I just felt like the Lord was laughing mm. and he's like, your husband trumps all these husbands. <laughs> and so I was just like, my name is Rita Springer. I am a pastor in the worship department. My husband's name is Jesus Christ. And he trumps all of y'all's husbands. So, but it's just, it, yeah, it was a funny little thing, but the reality of it is, you know, when I needed God in COVID, when my kid was hurting and I didn't know how he was hurting, but mm. the Lord knew how he was hurting. And to wake up and hear the Lord say, I need you to look in this drawer behind this thing. Mm -hmm. And, and when you're hearing stuff like that, you're like, what? He's having this issue. I need you to go. Yeah. It's like, and these like things that if I w were to tell you all the things that the Lord told me, people would think I was crazy. <laughs> But that's just, man, that kind of stuff. You inspire me to um, go to an imaginative place with the Lord. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, I don't know that it's, it's the imagination. The, 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 the reality of it is, you know, we were spirit before we were flesh. That's right. And we're, we're trying to get back to the garden and live prior to sin. And prior to sin, we were more spirit than we were flesh. And it was when the flesh took over in the garden that everything changed. And so I'm just on that journey. It's like, okay, I'm more spirit than I'm flesh. If the spirit could override the flesh, the flesh would have to back down, mm -hmm. you know? And that's not always the case. So I'm not perfect. Um, but at least I have the knowledge to realize, hey, that's, you know, that's not, that's not right. That's not, you know. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question, but no, that's, that, that's, a lot of what I even try to encourage in these young up and coming worship leaders who come with the theory of what they can obtain mm. as opposed to the reality of who God is mm -hmm. that, that he already sits on the throne inhabiting mm -hmm. and, and realize you're, this isn't all, this isn't about you. You know, you, you may have a sweet voice and you may be able to, you know, bring people into the presence of God with your worship, but you detour you know, you detour two inches over to this and you'll lose this, mm -hmm. this, and this. And you want to keep the trajectory of, of your life in a, in mm -hmm. a focus of heading in a straight line. 
I think I understand your message of surrender. Yeah. So much more. Full blown. Yeah. Yeah. And it is not easy. Surrendering is, is, it's the hardest thing to do. Easiest thing to do is raise your hands. Hardest thing to do is raise your heart. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, it's a, that's why it's a daily, it's a daily submission. It's a daily submission to the Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean, even, you know, even this season that I'm in, honestly, it's one of the, you know, one of the most, um, provoking seasons because, you know, all of us usually have one roundabout in our lives where we're just like, we just keep, when we get caught in the roundabout, we get caught in the roundabout, we get caught in the roundabout. And sometimes we can beat our heads, in a, you know, against a, a, a wall being like, what is it about this roundabout? What is it about this roundabout? And I'm convinced that I think those roundabouts in our life are things that we actually have great knowledge in and how to get rid of. But there's a safety or a, or a comfort in its claws of keeping us in the question. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the mystery is for me. It's like, how does keeping me in the question of God's love being evident and holding myself back just an inch to be like, well, he'll come for everybody else, but he won't come for me. Because mm-hmm. my life is all about cost. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so there's this, there can be this pride yeah. in, in, Even in, the in surrender. your revelation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like, yeah, I know. I no, if I if I ask for this, you'll come for them. But ooh, for me, it's like ooh, she's on the she's on the slow train, mm. you know. And that's you know, and I've realized, you know, sometimes the Lord has come in and been like, "Wow, your edge is becoming super sarcastic about that." Mm. You know, it's like, can you get me out of the equation? Because as you say that, you're putting me in the equation, like like I'm the holdup, like wow. I'm the train holding you up, and I'm mm. not the train. You're the train. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to leave the station, kid. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, right, whatever. It's never your fault. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and sometimes I find I find that I've just seasons where I'm like, no, it's never going to be your fault. And I realize there's something in me that wants God to just admit sometimes he doesn't come mm. for the sake of not coming. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, mm-hmm. I just want to, I want him to admit that sometimes he's like, yes, I do hold off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But and he this, just doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. And, and there's something in that for me that's like, if you just finally just admit what I, how I know you are about the situation, yeah. then, then I'm just, I'll relent and I'll just yeah. be fine. And he's like, why do you want me to admit something that's not true? Yeah. It's like, cause it is true. And you know, yeah. it's true. you know, it's like that. Yeah. It's the roundabout we get caught in. And that's my roundabout is, mm-hmm. Because it's been so costly and because I could plan a funeral easier than I could plan a party, Mm. that there's a responsibility on God's shoulders for that. And God doesn't want to wear that responsibility. Wow. But I keep putting it on his shoulders to Mm -hmm. wear because I can't take it off my own. Mm. And, And I think that's it like of late in my makeup it's like with and i think covid really brought out mm-hmm. brought out our roundabouts yeah yeah in a sure very pro, brought out the church's yeah. roundabout in For a very sure. profound way and a lot of us are still circling that roundabout of things that were able to be mocked or hidden because mm-hmm. the goodness of the lord was was there but when everything shrunk down mm-hmm. and and we had our quiet to settle in mm-hmm. we had the roundabout to circle in. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, for me, it's like, that's been my one thing of, 
because I'm single and because, you know, I'm on my own. And, and as much as it is an offering to the Lord, there is something that my flesh will want to keep in the midst of that agony Mm -hmm. that, that my flesh doesn't want to admit that it brings me comfort. Yeah. My spirits will like, drop it, drop it, drop it, you know, before you get up here, drop it. It's like, no, I want him to see me carry it. You know? Yeah. Look at my burden. Yeah. Look at my (laughs) burden. Look how hard this is. Yeah. And that's never, it's never going to, it's, it's never going to be something that God's going to be at fault for. Mm -hmm. And I think single women need to hear that. Yeah. 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 Because we can say, we just don't understand. Like we mm-hmm. prayed and we've done this and we've done this. It's like the prodigal that we've prayed for that isn't coming home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's like something in us must be wrong. And that's why the prodigal's not coming mm-hmm. home. And I, and I, it's just, even if there's those out there that it's like, there's something must be wrong, wrong in me that that's the reason why this isn't happening. And granted, there could be a lot wrong in all of us. Yeah. That's one of the main reasons why the Lord's like, yikes, if I gave it to you now, you wouldn't know what to do with it. And then you'd lose it along the way. Absolutely. But I think for some of us, it's the, it's the um, recycled verbiage from hell that mm-hmm. keeps telling us we don't deserve what God wants to give wow. us. And COVID brought out all the bad garbage Mm -hmm. that hell has been recycling and, and almost brought it to us like it was new. Yeah. You know, and that, and, and I I just, the church has got to start shaking it. And Mm -hmm. as individuals, we've got to start living back in promise Mm -hmm. and not in, um, almost like survival mode. I think we're still in survival mode. In a lot of ways, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Or expecting things to go exactly back to the way they were. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we're mad because they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think they're going back. Yeah, I don't either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, I, I mean, even in COVID that, you know, when you're at church after church after church, you get asked all the time, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And I, what I've, I loved about what I chose to do in COVID is I chose not to stand on a side. I chose to ask the Lord and my, my asking the Lord and whatever the Lord told me is what I did. Mm-hmm. And if he said, no, don't do that. And don't do that. Um, I just wouldn't do it. And it wouldn't matter if people were like, you know, you know, if you don't do that, that's, you know, you, you know, you're not, you know, being a true Patriot or whatever, whatever. It's like, I'm actually doing what the Lord's asked me to do. Mm-hmm. And there was no worry. Mm-hmm. I had peace the whole time. Mm-hmm. I never worried about, you know, getting sick. I just, because it's like, it was stealing our peace and yes. God doesn't come to steal our peace. Yes. He came to give us peace. Mm-hmm. And so even in that, it's like, that was a huge eye opener for me where I was like, instead of the media and, and everybody, it was like, turn over to the Lord. And I'm like, what do you think about vaccines? What do you think about this? And the Lord would just say, this is what I think. And mm-hmm. this is what I don't think is for you. And I don't want you to do that. And I was like, okay, you know, and it wasn't, yeah. it didn't have any, it didn't ruin relationships. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It didn't right. like separate me from people. Cause I was just like, I didn't have an opinion about things. Cause I knew God's opinion Yeah, and God's opinion brought me such severe peace. The people would come to me saying, how come you have so much peace? It's like, cause I just asked God and he just told me. Some of that leaning into God thing again. Yeah. That seems to yeah, be which a is theme. center, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just, it's the, it's the epicenter of your, your Christian heritage mm-hmm. yeah. is the, is the lean, yeah. you know, um, 
I love the imagery of, um, uh, I think it was the Last Supper when Jesus was diving out Judas, and it's it. I think it says in one of the Gospels that John was leaning up mm-hmm. against Christ, and it was Peter, I think, that said, "Ask him who he means." Mm-hmm. And you know, Peter's thing is because John was right there, right under his his lips, mm-hmm. you know, and he was the closest and the one being willing to be the closest. And that's the kingdom for you, right? There'll be, there'll be those of us that call ourselves the beloved of the Lord and we won't be understood by other people, Yeah, but we're willing to be close to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the beauty of the Lord is he's like, Hey, look, I love the beloveds, but I love the Peters and I yeah. love the Pauls, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I love, yeah. so anyway. Well, I, you have been such a model for, um, yes for me and for other women who find themselves called by God and are saying yes. So I just thank you for championing oh, them so and for leading the way and calling us to press into holiness yeah. for paying and, the price. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. For paying the price. So we thank you for oh, you're so talking welcome. with us today. Yeah, it's so good to be with you guys. Yeah. And thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, we'd love you to click subscribe and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Women in Ministry Leadership Podcast, powered by the King's University, a school committed to encouraging and validating women on their ministry journeys. To learn more, visit tku.edu.